Welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. On last week's show, we talked about the question, should I be ambitious? So many kingdom men are walking around with an inner struggle and a conflict over this question of, can I be ambitious? And if so, what does that look like for me? Well, on this week's episode, we are going to talk about how can I evaluate my ambition? There are two types of ambition that are available to us, and we must be careful which one we're pursuing. In today's show, Alex and I are going to have a conversation and a deep dive around how to evaluate and assess ourselves to see if we are pursuing the ambition that God has for our life, or are we running after selfish ambition disguised as something good? Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Raising the Standard, Leadership, Mindset, and Development for the Kingdom Man. And I was joined by my good friend Alex on last week's episode, which was titled, Should I Be Ambitious? And on today's episode, I'm joined by Alex again, and we are going to discuss how you can evaluate your own ambition, to know if it's from God or to know if it's just from you. So Alex, Love to welcome you back to the show. We had such a great conversation last week, man. Yes, we How did, you feeling man. about it? I uh, did. It was a, an amazing conversation. I've been thinking about it since we since we had it, and uh, it's an honor to be here with you again, Josh. I'm so excited about part two of this chat. Yeah, of course. Was there anything um, from last week that you want to touch on, or any thoughts as we transition from should I be ambitious? into how do I evaluate my ambition? How do I do this self-assessment on myself to see what's driving me? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, I really spent a lot of time thinking about uh, our conversation and, and things that, you know, I really hadn't thought about, like, for example, Adam in the garden, you know, and, and uh, how uh, that was really a neutral, um, you know, he was in neutral ground. He could have gone either way with that decision, you know, but ambition, and I guess just maybe a posture of his heart took him, you know, to want to eat of that fruit. Uh, But Josh, I got to tell you out of the whole conversation that we had, what really stood out to me and kind of where my head has been since has been thinking about Jesus, you know, because he is our model. He's, he's, he's the one that we basically want to follow. And like you said, you know, he became man. He uh, not only became man, but everything that you and I go through you know, he was tempted with and uh, probably went through as well. I just think about just that. And I think, you know, Jesus as the man, you know, not so much in ministry yet, but before. I don't know how much you've thought about that, Josh. I know you mentioned it in your book some, but so Jesus, the builder, 
right? And, you know, think about, I mean, he's waking up every morning having to, you know, think about the projects he's working on, uh, thinking about the customers that he has to satisfy. You know, customer service was a thing back then too, right? So, you know, Jesus, the builder, having to satisfy his customers, having to quote jobs. Sometimes, I think I mentioned this last week, getting beat out by competitors, you know? What do you think, Josh? Like when you hear all of this and you think about that Jesus, because we don't know about a lot about that part of him, right? Uh, you know, that story before he became, you know, or came into the, to the stage as, as uh, you know, um, as Messiah and for ministry purposes. What do you think, man? What, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think the question, Alex, is was Jesus ambitious? That is the question essentially you're bringing up and that we're going to discuss. Yeah. Um, now, we have to go back to last week and we have to settle that it is okay to have ambition. The Lord wants us to have ambition. If we don't have any ambition, we talked about it on last week's episode. If you have not listened to it, go back and check out last week's episode, Should I Be Ambitious? It's a great discussion. We, we anchor it in the Word. We bring up Scripture, and we really address this issue from a couple different angles. But one of the things that we landed on is that if you don't have ambition, you're not going anywhere in life, whether your own personal life, but especially as a modern Christian man, you're not going to have a kingdom vision. You're not going to have anything that's in your line of sight that you feel called to do or a vision for if you don't have any ambition behind it. We just have to accept the fact that there are two different types of ambition. With your question and with this topic of was Jesus ambitious, um, I certainly say that he was ambitious. The question is, what was his ambition? That is the central question, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, you know, uh, what was his ambition? You know, because we see what I see, Josh, and, and you and I have talked about this before, is that we see, you know, Jesus in ministry. He was taking territory. You know, there was, there was days that he was healing people all night. He understood his calling. And he was going after that calling. So in other words, there was an ambition there. I call it a holy ambition, right? So it was a, it was a, a, a sanctified ambition that he had, right? He wanted to do the will of his father, right? But, but one of the things is I always think about, Josh, is, you know, that was developed. Also, that wasn't, I mean, sometimes I think where the disconnect comes for me in my own Christian life for a long time was that, you know, I thought this was magical. Like, hey, Jesus was born this way. It was in his DNA. He was going to be, he was going to be the Messiah, and so it just kind of naturally came out of him. But the more and more I spend time with the Lord, the more I see, like, hey, this was developed in the in, in kind of the places where no one, you know, knows about. Maybe I, I think you mentioned this in your book, where Jesus, you know, was working, um, you know, on materials and, and things like that. You know, in that quiet place where he's, you know, just every day doing the same thing. Something was being developed. So I'd love to just park there a little bit and talk about that part of him and how that ambition started maybe and how it was developed. And then obviously what we see in the, in the Bible, as, you know. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great discussion. And for anyone that's just joining us, if you're new and you're listening to the podcast or watching the show for the first time, um, the book that Alex is referencing is called The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity. In that book, I break down his life really looking through the lens of his humanity. We know that he's 100% God. He's 100% man at the same time. He's the son of God, and he also refers to himself as the son of man 
except he is sinless. So he can relate to us in every way, except he never sinned. So yeah, Alex, with that being said, you know, looking at the humanity of Jesus along with the deity, we see that there's so many things he goes through within his humanity. Um, the Bible talks about, and you even referenced, we talked about Adam and sin in the garden, and the Bible references Adam as the first Adam. The first Adam failed, the first man, and we'll see in Corinthians, Paul will reference Jesus as the second man and the last Adam. So he's the second man, he's the last Adam, and he comes and he repairs and he sets everything in order and alignment contrasted with what Adam did in the garden. Yeah. And he does that within his humanity. He had to come and be the perfect son and walk out this life in human existence to redeem everything and to bring everything back into order in his role as son of man. So getting to this ambition question and getting to the way he did his work, he would have modeled life and would have went through the daily grind just like all of us you know, waking up. And you and I talked one time, I know when you were reading the book, um, you were sending me some messages like, hey, I never thought of like, Jesus might've wanted to hit snooze one day. I'm sure he did because he was human. Right. I'm sure he put in a crazy, you know, 12 hour day at some point or dealt with some, you know, huge work project where the next day he was exhausted, just physically spent and probably was like, okay, time to get up. And how do I know he did that? Because the Bible says that he learned obedience through the things he went through, and he was tested and tempted in every way, in every way that we are as men, um, only without sin. So there's no question he was a human. He would have encountered the same emotions. Um, he would have encountered the same emotions and the spectrum of all the feelings that we have and everything that we go through in our physical body, as well as our emotional state. That's that's so powerful, you know, and and when you think about, you know, how he then took that into ministry, you know, that discipline, um, because, you know, that ambition was always there to want to do the will of his father. Even again, I, I call it before he got on stage, right? Um, there was the 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 secret that was happening, but behind the scenes, and so, you know, that ambition was always there, wanting to do the will of his father, coming to the place of understanding who he was, yeah, and. Um, and then just, uh, uh, you know, developing that throughout time. Yeah. And I think, I think you nailed it right there. Like we have to define, so, you know, we're kind of talking about this. What was the ambition of Jesus? The ambition of Jesus is very clear. He came to do the will of his father. Um, he says in the garden, the night before he goes to the cross, he says, not my will, but your will be done. He'll also be quoted saying, I only do those things that I see my father doing. And that was the life of discipline. That was the life that he was pursuing. That was his ambition. And, you know, it reminds me of David. You know, if we mm. look at David, the writer of the Psalms, um, when he was a shepherd boy, even before he was king, if we look early on in the Psalms, in Psalm 27, I believe, um, he says about his ambition, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in his house all my days. So David was a worshiper, and you can see his ambition was to worship God. His ambition was to have one central thing in life, the one thing which is constantly gazing and beholding the Lord, and then everything in his life is ordered 
out of that ambition. Mm, wow, Josh, you, you uh, man, <laughs> you get me fired up <laughs> with that. I, I mean, that is uh, that verse is one of my favorites. You know, when we when, when we talk about it and look at that, and and if you think about David, you know, um, one of the only people in the Bible that says that he was a man after God's own heart. You know. Um, and and I think it was specifically because of that. It was it was because his ambition was aligned and centered with the will of the Father. Um, you know, when I hear these verses and when we discuss this, and when I see it in Scripture, and I, I start to connect the dots, or the Holy Spirit starts to reveal some things, where I'm like, oh, that's what's driving him. That's what it is. That's why he can accomplish what he can accomplish. I mean, there's yeah. so many takeaways there, Alex. Yeah, um, there is. And I was going to add, Josh, if, if this is okay, I, I just feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, not to give the enemy any light, man, but I just feel like sometimes he knows this more than we do. He understands and knows that if he can just kind of keep us distracted with this idea of ambition, and you and I have talked about this a lot of times. I know a lot of the folks listening to this, a lot of the men that'll be listening to this, maybe in ministry, maybe they're pastors or youth pastors or worship leaders or, you know, in some, some way or another involved in, or like you and I that are, you know, kingdom men that are in business. And sometimes for me personally, I've been doing things for the Lord, but Josh, I can tell you, God wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. He wasn't in it. You know, it was, it was definitely striving on my side and there was a lot of work and, and that ambition I thought was the, was aligned you know, with the will of the Father. But then I found, you know, just after time, you just see that you're hitting a brick wall or something is happening. You're like, what's going on? And it's because you're doing it for the Lord, but he's not in it. Well, you know, that's that's an excellent point. And honestly, it's a scary point because what it tells us is that we can be, we can work for God and we may not be doing his will. I know that sounds crazy. And if you're listening to this and, and this concept is new to you, just stay with me for a moment. I'll give you some scripture on this. But, you know, Paul talks about that each man's work will be evaluated, that we will go through a judgment ourselves, right? Everyone will stand before the judgment seat, the bema seat of Christ, and we will go through it. We're going to stand and give an account for everything we did, everything we said. And thankfully, for those of us that know the Lord, he has forgiven us, he's washed those sins away, and we don't have to worry about that. But we are going to give an account for what we did and how we spent our time. And the point that I think we're talking about here is what did we build with? Because I actually have an episode where I'm, I, a couple episodes back, we talk about what are you building? Because every man is building something. Every man is going after something. The question is, what are you building? And what are you building with? So Paul presents this picture of two different types of materials. We have wood, hay, and stubble. And honestly, wood is good. You can build with wood. You can build something. Um, you can actually build a structure with wood, and it can look great. Um, and then the other set of building materials are gold, silver, and precious stones. And those are the materials of the workers in that scripture that were commissioned. They were called to do that. They weren't striving. They were honoring the Lord, and they were commissioned to build what they were building. But some men just want to build. And you know what I find, Alex? I find that men, we love to be in motion. Men love to be in motion. <laughs> you know, we have a really hard time with distractions. We have a really hard time sitting still and waiting and listening and making God the one thing. Yeah. And, 
you know, there's something really, really powerful that I can share with you in scripture. Um, just to illustrate this point, um, uh, there is a point when Absalom, King David's son dies, there is a servant and the servant says, let me run and share the news. And he's told, no, don't go. And then he says, well, let me run over here and share the news. He just has to run. And it actually says in the scripture, he starts running with no purpose. Wow. He just wanted to move. He just wanted to Dude. run. He had to be in motion. Oh and how many times, I mean, I've done this. <laughs> I'm doing stuff just to do it. I just right. I got energy expenditure. I got to get it out. I got to do something. I got to move. I got to feel like I'm doing something. Right. And uh, I'll just ask, you know, listeners, you know, men, as you're listening to this, have you ever done that? Have yeah. you, Alex? Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely. My wife says it's ADHD. Uh, maybe it's too much coffee. I don't know, but it's absolutely true, man. It's just having to be in motion because I think at the end of the day, Josh, you want to check the box and say I conquered the day, right? The only thing is that if I can add this, conquering in the kingdom is a very different definition sometimes than conquering here on earth for us, right? And so, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we really have to define and understand because that's what Jesus understood. He understood what conquering really meant or checking that box, doing the, you know, I guess taking territory um, according to the kingdom's definition. Yeah. You know, you, you brought that up, that Jesus took territory. So let's dive into that because, you know, we see him and we, we know a little about this, but we know that he was excellent with everything he did. Um, so as a builder being prepared in that process and that preparation season for ministry. And then he steps into ministry and he still, all those quotes we gave were from his ministry years. You know, I seek mm -hmm. to do only the will of my father. I only do what I see my father doing. And you even mentioned like the times of solitude, the times of prayer, um, persisting in prayer before every major decision and always seeking the will of the father. And we see that he's driven by that ambition and that one thing. So we see this beautiful balance in the life of Jesus where he works, he talks about working. He says the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray that God sends workers into the harvest. So we're supposed to be doing work. We have a right. work to do. Every man listening to this, you have a work to do. It may not be exactly your full-time job, but you have a work to do while you're at your full-time job. You have a work to do in the kingdom. And so we know there's this, there's this importance and there's this priority on work. But what we also see modeled in the life of Jesus is this priority on rest. Mm, wow. Yeah, that is so good, Josh. Um, I know for me personally, that's been one thing that has taken me a long time to embrace is rest. Um, you know, uh, you know this, Josh, but for the listeners, you know, I come from a, a Latino background and in uh, the Latino background, if you were ever caught just sitting around doing anything, you would get a, you know, a spanking or you would get some kind of <laughs> insult sent your way, like stop being lazy. You need to get to work. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of the things where um, I just for many, many years thought of rest as laziness, you know. Um, but again, we go back to the, to the scriptures and it's very different when we see rest and Jesus resting. Yeah. Well, you know, I also, I come from an Armenian background, very strong work ethic, very strong work ethic and responsibility modeled in my household um, through my dad's life. So 
I get it, man. And as men, we have to provide, right? We have to provide, we have to protect, and we carry that pressure. We carry those pressures of life. Um, and that's no different than the time of Jesus. You know, like we're busier. We have different technology now. We have different distractions, but it's still the same. These guys were called upon. They were fishermen. Um, they were physicians. You know, we have all different walks of life and work backgrounds that we can find among the disciples and the team that Jesus assembles. But they still yeah. got to pay. They still got to provide for their family. Absolutely. Right? They still got to take care of everything. They still have the pressures of life. But Jesus is modeling this um, this method and this model of rest. And let's let's define what that is, because we know he spent a lot of time in solitude. There's some spiritual disciplines that Jesus models in his life. And I say discipline because we don't always feel like doing it, right? That's where the discipline comes in. Because if I only pray, if I only try and get quiet, if I only seek solitude, if I only try and create that sacred space when I feel like it, well, that's not really obedience, right? Discipline is part of being obedient. And to be obedient means to do something you don't feel like doing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, Josh, we can go so many different so many different places with that. But uh, I think that the first thing is really defining rest in the kingdom, right? Like really understanding what that looks like. And I think for both you and I, this has been our story and kind of what's so connected us to is that as we have learned to... Uh, really kind of just enjoy the rest, enjoy, you know, those moments with the Lord, they no longer become uh, an obligation. They no longer become this thing where we feel like we have to do it, uh, but it becomes a, a, a love affair. It really becomes a, a thing where you're actually looking forward to wanting to spend time with Him, you know? And um, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on some of this, but even as you read the scriptures, it, it used to be hard for me to understand, wow, Jesus, you had a full day. And then it would say in the Bible, it says in the Bible that the next day before the sun even would come up, right? When everyone was still sleeping, he would go away. And as a new believer, I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, that's hard. Like that's, I don't know if I could do that, you know? Um, but now I understand that it was not an obligation for him. It was yeah. A, a, yeah, it was just a, a love affair with his father. Yeah, it's you know, it's done out of devotion. That's mm -hmm. the word that I would use is that there was yeah. devotion. And I That's say a way and I said word. this yeah. I, I said this on a few episodes back that you know, we're called to have discipline. We have to have discipline, we have to have diligence. That's scriptural. Um, however, if we only have discipline and we're missing devotion, you end up with a denomination. Wow. You end up with a form. So <laughs> <laughs> devotion always precedes discipline. If it does yeah. not, then you may have a form of godliness without truly knowing him, truly loving him, truly walking with him and having a relationship with him. So the devotion is primary, and that's what we see driving Jesus. So, you know, you're right. You talked about in his ministry years, he took territory. He came up against the enemy. He cast out demons. He, that was a huge part of his ministry. He was always running into opposition, whether spiritual, and it was always spiritual, but sometimes it manifested through people. It manifested through the Pharisees trying to derail his mission, trying to get him off his mission, um, always coming at him, always railing against him. And so he's a man that knows confrontation. He knows opposition. He knows what it's like um, not to give up. So he can leave that place with his direction 
and he can go out and he can take dominion in his ministry and he can go out and he can conquer the way the Lord, the way the Father reveals to him. Uh, but it came from that place of rest first, because I think the best way to think about it is, and we talked about men wanting to run. Yeah. Sometimes we just get up and go. And that's our <laughs> ambition. We just get up and go, hey, I'm going to do it. I have an idea. I set a goal. Yeah. And here's the thing, guys, we can accomplish a lot in our own willpower. That's where we have to start to self-evaluate and assess our motives and what's driving us. Because I could do a lot. You can do a lot. I mean, let's look at men that are not Christian. Let's look at the people that build empires. They're humans that have drive. They have persistence. They have discipline. They have diligence. The difference in the life of Jesus and the difference with the life that we're called to live is that we live out of devotion first and we wait. We wait. And we and this is what we mean when we say rest. It's part of waiting. It's part of knowing the Lord in the secret place. It's part of carving out that sacred spot of your day, preferably the morning, um, where you're waiting, you're looking. Um, part of that can be reading, meditating. We'll talk more about some of the methods later. Um, but as you're waiting, you only move when the Lord says so. We don't move before he gives the direction. That's the yeah. biggest difference for me. And that's the devotional aspect. Absolutely. And I think that that's it right there, Josh, is, is again, learning how to wait, learning how to wait on the Lord. Um, you know, we see it throughout the word. We see how David talks about that. Um, you know, Paul talks about it. Uh, Jesus modeled it for us, just waiting on the Lord. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're surrounded, Josh. I mean, think about especially high producers, high, you know, guys like you and I that are in the business world, guys that are listening to this now that are you know, in board meetings and, I mean, essentially sometimes have to bring their A game, you know. Sometimes we're surrounded by just this rhetoric from the world of how, what that looks like. And what I have found in my own walk with, with God is that sometimes it is the complete antithesis of, 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 of what the Lord tells us to do. Like, in other words, what the world is telling me to do um, is completely different from what God is telling me to do to the point, Josh, where now a lot of guys that I used to listen to in the world, I'm not going to name any names here. I actually have stopped listening to them because basically they're the, the message, even though it's motivating is completely uh, contrary to what the Lord is telling me to do. So in my own spirit, in my own life, I've said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to quiet that noise and I'm going to hear what the Lord has to say on this. And it's been life-changing for me, man, just to do that. Yep. Yeah. You know, we have an episode back, uh, back a few for anyone that's just jumping in right now called Don't Subscribe. And the whole point is we're, we're getting bombarded. You open up your social feeds, you look through, there's a new voice, there's the algorithm can pinpoint what you looked at, what you <laughs> bought, who you like, what book you read, what you ordered. Uh, they're tracking you all over the internet. And we know that's happening. And so they're serving up stuff that we think we might like. And we get exposure to all these voices and thoughts and gurus and influencers and people. And as kingdom men, we don't have the right to hit subscribe to just any voice because Jesus said, take heed to how you listen. Be careful how you hear. And this goes back to the devotional life. You know, what am I feeding on? I, and if I'm saying yes to God, what am I saying no to? You know, we know that Jesus said yes to the Father's will, and by doing that, he now has to defend that yes with a lot of no's, and the same is going to be for you and I. 
Um, what am I saying no to, to guard that secret place and that sacred space um, within my life? But what I want to talk about with you, Alex, if you would share with us, you know, I love having you on. This is a great conversation. You're a good friend really of mine. Good. And for everyone yeah, that's man. listening, you know, Alex loves the Lord. He's a man of the presence. You know, we love the presence of God. If you guys that are listening think that knowing God is only about a book, it's only about a service that happens once a week, and you've never experienced his presence and what it's like to be with him, um, then there's there's something that's missing in your life that's available to you. And Alex is a man of the presence. He pursues Jesus. Jesus is, you know, your priority, Alex. And we were talking about the parable of the virgins. And I think there's some lessons in there for us. So if you could just quickly break down, you know, that parable and just tell Absolutely. us a little bit about some of your insights there yeah. um, and how that might apply to our lives. Yeah. So Josh, yeah, thank you so much. And, and that is something that, uh, you know, for me is so important, the presence. It's something that I've learned um, to develop and really in the last few years um, had given my attention towards. And one of the, the Bible verses that you and I always talk about is the, uh, the, the parable of the, of the virgins, the 10 virgins. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting because here were 10 women that were basically all selected. They were all 10 virgins that had been set aside uh, to uh, meet the bridegroom. And they all had oil in their lamps. You know, um, however, some of them had basically more oil. And I remember the first time I heard that, Josh, it kind of just really, for me, um, when it really hit me was when I finally understood the importance of oil. And, and, and we'll define what oil is here uh, today, but, but the, define, the, the importance of having oil in your life is so important because at the most crucial moment when the bridegroom was coming, five of these virgins were found with no oil. They had run out at the worst time possible. <laughs> they had run out where the other ones had. And when the ones that didn't have said, give us some of what you had, they said, we couldn't, we can't, we can't do that. Because the truth is, is Josh, that my walk with God is very personal, same as yours. I can't, I can't go to you and say, Josh, I need some of your oil, some of your, your own you know, time with Jesus for me. We can go into so many different places with that, but a lot of us, including me for many years, I was counting on my pastor to kind of do that for me, you know, and then just kind of showing up and being like, hey, you know, showing up on Sunday and hoping that I could get some of his oil. But obviously in this, in this um, verse, in this chapter, we see that that's not the case, you know, with this parable. So oil, my friend, is to me and to you, and I know to many of the guys that are listening, one of the most important things. It has to be. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about what the oil signifies. I believe it signifies God's presence, right? Spending yeah. time, like you said, spending time with Jesus. We know mm -hmm. oil is also, um, it signifies in scripture, the Holy Spirit and the anointing. So it's, connected directly with being with Jesus, spending time with him. And there's a lot in that parable. There's actually a historical backdrop of what happened at a wedding feast and leading up to a wedding feast that Jesus is referencing there. And it comes down to, when we think about those 10 virgins, it was a matter of devotion. You know, the five that didn't have enough, they, they didn't have enough because they weren't devoted. 
they weren't in it for the long haul. Maybe they thought the bridegroom was going to show up earlier because in that historical setting, he could show up whenever he wants to. Right? So maybe yeah. based on the last time, they're like, ah, he's going to show up. We got enough. We don't have to go right. get more. And yeah. you know that physical symbol in the parable, it represents something spiritual. Right, right. And, and what I will say, Josh, is you know, with this idea of oil, it's a daily thing. Like it definitely is devotion, but it is a daily thing that you need to fill yourself with. You know, you need to fill your vats. You need to fill that lamp uh, with oil. And I know we're talking in a lot of like, you know, symbolisms and things like that. But I hope it's clear to the listeners that at the end of the day, it is devotion. It's intimacy with Jesus. It's coming outside of this place of just checking the boxes, of reading your Bible, of saying a little prayer for you and your family. And it's coming into a place of really uh, knowing him and loving him and wanting to know more of him, where essentially he becomes your everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I love what you said, Alex, because I think, you know, I know growing up I was like this, and I think there's probably guys that will listen to this that could identify with this maybe at some point in your life and, and maybe even now where you think like, hey, I go to a great church, Right. They, they have enough, like I'm in the right place. Or maybe I even go to a men's group or I have a good friend in my life. He's got enough. Like I'm spending time with him. Doesn't that count? And for others of us, it might be our parents or our lineage. Like yeah. I have a godly grandmother. I have a praying mama, you know, and that's <laughs> enough to help me or yeah. I can get in or I have a special place of favor because of that. And maybe you're even experiencing favor in your life because God is awesome and he gives favor to his children, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're closer with him mm -hmm. or as close as we're supposed to be just because we experience favor. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's the way he is. He's just so gracious and so awesome to us. Yeah, he's amazing, Josh. And one of the things is, you know, I remember one time in prayer, like just asking God for things. And, and I got this picture of almost like, you know, it was almost like in this picture, what I was seeing is that I was using Jesus versus loving Jesus. In other words, I wasn't there in that time of prayer because of him and who he was. I was there because I needed something. And what I saw was there was this pattern in my life where every time after I would get what I wanted, my devotional life would just take a nosedive. I would stop reading the Bible and praying. But when I needed something, I was there every day. And this is what Jesus told me one day. He said, Alex, what if you treated your wife the way you treat me? What if you treated your wife the way you treat me? How do you think that would go? Yeah. Would she oh. still be with you or would there be a divorce? You know? So, yeah, it, it, that, that's, that was some of the paradigm shift where I started to say it's about falling in love with him. Yeah. So let's, let's wrap it up and let's bring it home with how do we know, right? How do we evaluate back to this topic of ambition and what is my ambition? How do we evaluate? How do we self-assess where we are with our, with our ambition and what do we do to correct it? And I'm just going to kick off here with, you know, a couple of things you said, you talked about earlier in your life when you kind of had that experience where you realized you were coming to the Lord in somewhat of a selfish manner. And a lot of that has to do with maturity. You know, it's where are we in our maturity level? We just have to look in the mirror. You know, we talked about David. We talked about Jesus today. We talked about pursuing the one thing, doing the will of the Father. And these things make me want to look in the mirror and say, am I doing that? Like, where am I right now? Like, we have to have the ability to accurately self-assess 
and self-evaluate our life. We have to be honest with ourselves and not put on the mask, you know, take the armor off and kind of really look at where are we? Can I step up in an area? Um, do, can I be doing better? Um, can I be applying more? You know, last week's episode or two weeks ago, we did what God supplies and what we apply. So what are we applying? He supplies promises. He supplies many things. He gives us resources. He gives us favor, but we have a part in the equation as well. And so discerning what season you're in, checking your maturity level, and really what's driving the desires of your heart. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that, you know, checking on those things and then really creating some disciplines, because at the end of the day, Josh, here's the thing. We see that, G that Jesus, our model, there, he was a man of discipline. There were certain things that he would do to continue, even in his own life, making sure that he was aligned to the will of the Father. So, you know, creating those disciplines for ourselves is really important. For me personally, it's a journal. I need to basically keep tabs on how am I doing. The second thing is a heart check. I already know right now when I'm starting to kind of waver or starting to maybe disalign myself just because there's more striving. Yesterday was a perfect day, man, if I could be completely honest. I was watching the market. The market is coming back from a crazy dip. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, just kind of coming into this place of striving. And I just heard the whisper of the Lord say, hey, I'm here, you know, and, and I had to I had to make a decision at that point. So, you know, having some kind of discipline and checking some boxes and as you go through your day to make sure that you're aligned, I think is really important as well. Yeah. Another thing we talked about, Alex, is having brothers around, oh, you. Man. you know, someone Absolutely. that you can open up to. You know, you and I talk, I have other people in my circle that I can share, I can get vulnerable with, and I can say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about, or this is what's on my heart. You know, do you think that's me? Do you think that's God? You know, I can pray, I can hear for myself and kind of find out where my peace is with something, but it's good to open up, um, not with everybody. You don't have to do it with everyone, but you have to have a circle of some men you can trust that you can open up, you can bear your heart, and you get some feedback and yeah. also you get some correction. Like, hey, <laughs> you might have to correct me and say, hey, I don't really like the way that came across. Or when you said that, I, I was kind of picking up on a different motive. And like, let's just chat about like, where are you right now? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's been so valuable for me, our friendship. Um, and basically, there's times where I'm going through a hard, hard day. And I know that I have a friend in you, Josh, and other guys that, that I, I run with that I can call. One of the really key things for me is making sure that those guys that I want to run with are guys that, uh, number one, are of the same mindset and heart set as, as I, you know, and basically we're going after the same thing, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I've had guys in my life that are more after money or not really even after money, but just after kind of like, you know, the status, the status. And that's not a guy that I can go to and say, hey, man, I need some help in my walk with Jesus because they're just not going to understand that at that point because they're not there. It's nothing, you know, good or bad. It's just that's not where they are. But I know that I can reach out to you, Josh, and be like, hey, man, this is where I'm at. And you're going to have a good word for me, right, of, of, you know, something that I should be maybe looking at. So brothers are incredibly important. This, this community you're creating here, Josh, is, is powerful. You know, I know that I'm feeding off of this as well, you know, every time that one of these episodes comes out. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, you know, in summary, guys, this is what I want to leave you with is that we have to be really careful with pursuing our desires. 
And we have to be able to evaluate what's in our heart and what's driving us. And that's where you have to have that devotional piece in your life in check. Because when your devotion's right, you'll be better off to trust your desires. But if you're just operating out of desire alone and you're missing devotion, you may be misguided. And we know what happens, even if you're off by one or two degrees, by the time we get miles down the road or years down into the project or the career or the thing you're pursuing, you may find that you've massively missed the goal that God had for your life. Okay, guys, hopefully you found that episode valuable and you got some key takeaways that you can apply to your life starting today. I also have an announcement that I want to share. I have been working on a program that I'm really excited to tell you about. It's not quite ready yet, but I want to give you a sneak peek. If you were into the conversation today, if you were saying, hey, I'm missing that piece in my life, I don't have that devotional space. I don't have those brothers around me. I'm missing that community and I want it. Then I have something I've been working on that's gonna be perfect for you if you're listening to this. And it is gonna be a new program. It's gonna be a 40-day program where we go deep into our spiritual regimen, starting with a spiritual morning routine. There's a lot of morning routines out there. Every high performer has one and uses one. But what Alex and I talked about today was creating a sacred space. It's starting our day off in the presence of God in the right way. And it's more than just generically saying, pray and read your Bible and good luck with that, trying to figure it out. What do I read? What do I pray? And that's been a frustration for a lot of guys. So if you want to know more about that, the best thing for you to do is go to standard59.com, download the free gift. I have something called the map. It's 12 ways that you can take dominion in your life with Jesus as the standard. And that will put you on the email list. And I will be giving you updates and letting you know when we are going to be opening this new program that I am talking about. I will be sharing more details on future episodes. If you're interested, go to standard59.com. We'll see you guys on the next show. Until then, let's raise the standard. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.